Well, today we are into week four of our summer message series called Fight. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and whatever you've got Bible-wise today. Or you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and follow along with the scriptures and the points this morning as we go along. Uh, the room's a little more empty today, uh, not just because we're spread out in two services, but there's 24 of our students and college students and teens and leaders and youth staff who are uh, finishing up their Seek Week trip. They left on Friday and they're in Tennessee uh, this weekend, uh, and so we really miss them being here today. So just wanted to let you know that. And I also want to mention as you're turning there that um, if you ever feel like you need to catch up on a message or a message series, there are so many different ways and we have more resources now than we ever have for you to catch up to be able to listen. Most of you know about our live stream, you got used to watching that while we were out for eight weeks. But we also have our podcast and our podcast is what you're hearing right now. It's the sermon every week. You can go back and catch up on messages that you've missed or re-listen to something if you're like, I don't have that yet. I need to listen to it again. I preach these messages and I listen to them again because I still don't have that yet. But you can go to Apple and you can find uh, Ringing Church of God on Apple through iTunes. You can go to Spotify and you can find our podcast there. So it's, it's out there. You can find it. And if you've missed any part of this series, I want to encourage you to go back and listen. Now, you're not going to be lost today but uh, if you've missed any of it because each week kind of stands alone. But this series really kind of builds on itself because we've, we've been putting together the armor of God each week. And it kind of adds up. So if you've missed a week, go back and, uh, and catch up. So we're going to look at our passage that we've been in now for the, for the fourth week. We've got three more weeks past this to finish this series. It's been a, a great summer series. I hope you're being encouraged by it. And, um, and I told you when we first started this series, I thought, man, I don't, I don't know. I thought this is the way the Lord was leading us. And I thought, is, is this really the right series, a series called Fight for where we are right now? Because there's a lot of fighting going on right now in our nation, right? Anybody notice that? But as we've been plowing through this more and more, I'm thinking, yep, Lord, this is exactly what we need to hear because it's not just the battle we see on the news. There's battles going on inside of us, and that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians 16 through 18. He says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Your fight's not other people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to what? Stand. Good job. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the helmet of, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming ears of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. Well, I expect today that this message is really going to connect with all the ladies in the house. You know how some places that we probably shouldn't go to have ladies' night? This is Ladies' Sunday. You know why? Because today we're going to talk about shoes. In verse 15, the next piece of this armor that Paul tells us is that we need to put on some shoes. We live in a day of shoes. We have shoes for every occasion. We've got dress shoes. We've got casual shoes. We've got athletic shoes. We've got work shoes. Now, for most men, your shoes are merely utilitarian, which means they're just functional. You know, you've got a few pairs, and, and that's really all you need. But for ladies, your shoes are there to adorn your feet. They're there to uh, connect your outfit together. They're there so that somebody looks at your shoes, another lady, and says, those shoes are so cute. Where did you get those shoes? And then you get to tell the story of your shoes. Well, I had these shoes, and it, you know, I needed replacements because the strap broke and the buckle broke, and they were worn out, and the soles were falling out. So I went and found these shoes, you know, girl, and I got a BOGO. Anybody know what a BOGO is? Buy one, get one. If that's not the biggest 
just trap of the devil to get us to buy more shoes down there at the, at the rack room or wherever it is. Rack room, what is that? Is that, is that the place? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 anyway, you understand what I'm saying, you know? The day we got shoes for everything. Now, I remember when, when we were growing up, we used to call our church shoes our Sunday shoes. Anybody do that? Then we say, I'm going to put on my Sunday shoes, go to church, you know? But, uh, but shoes say a lot about a person, you know, the style, the brand, how clean they are, how shiny they are. But really, something that also says a lot, shoes say whether they speak, whether or not you have them on or you have them off. Now, how many, as soon as you get home, you take your shoes off? How many of those people are here today? Because when you get home, you take your shoes off because now what? I'm home, I'm relaxed, I'm kicked back. A lot of times, if somebody comes to our house, we'll say, hey, come on in and do what? Take shoes off. Stay a while. But if you're at home and you put your shoes on, there's a purpose. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to do something. Sometimes if we've been home for a while and I put my shoes on, uh, the, the kids or trust will say, where are you going? Why you got shoes on? I'm like, well, I'm going to take out the trash or going to the store, whatever it is. But, uh, but we live in a day of shoes. And Paul tells us in this passage that just like there's all these other pieces, that shoes are important too and our shoes our key in the fight, and he says, you'll be ready to fight because you have on your peace shoes, shoes of peace. Now, so far, far, we've looked at a truth belt. We've looked at a righteous breastplate. And today, we're going to look at gospel of peace shoes. But before we unpack what the gospel of peace means, we need to understand what the, the kind of shoes that Paul was talking about that would fit with this uh, Roman soldier outfit that we've been putting together. So what kind of shoes does a Roman soldier wear? Well, this is a rough picture of what it would look like. Uh, I didn't draw that, uh, but whoever did, uh, they, they did an okay job. But that's basically the idea of, of Roman soldier shoes. They're, they're, uh, they're to be uh, comfortable and breathable, and, and they're battle shoes that would allow a soldier to walk uh, a long way without pain. These shoes are also equipped with spikes on the bottom. You notice that? Kind of like cleats, you know, like baseball cleats or football cleats that, that would provide sure footing. Because if I'm going to be in a battle and I've got shoes on like that, shoes that kind of dig into the ground help to give me a little more stability, right? Any of you who've played sports and had to wear cleats, you know the reason why you wear cleats is to give you a little more grip in the turf, now, those spikes would also serve for the soldier as a weapon. Imagine getting kicked by some of those spikes. Any of you who've played baseball and you've ever run into somebody or somebody run into you with cleats, you know what that feels like. It doesn't feel very good. It also provides a, a thing that if, let's say there's a, a group of Roman soldiers who are walking across and, and going in a formation somewhere, these spikes would allow them to literally stamp on fallen enemy when they advanced together they could trample over people and, and, and have puncture wounds literally from those shoes so Paul says that we need to put on these shoes in the spiritual battle and that if we don't have our shoes on that the devil can knock us over has anybody ever been knocked over by the devil yeah everybody here in this room even before you knew the Lord and after you knew the Lord, the devil will come along. The enemy will try to knock you out and knock you over. He'll use circumstances. He'll use people. Man, life would be perfect if there weren't so many people we had to deal with, right? He'll use situations with your finances or your job or your children. He'll use a sickness or a temptation or a sin to knock you over. And if the enemy can knock you over then he can put you on your what? Back. And if I'm on my back, then I'm not going forward. I'm not progressing in the direction I need to go if I'm on my back. And how many of you know that sometimes, some people, the devil knocks them off their feet, he knocks them down on their back, and they never get back up? Have you ever seen people like that? Or maybe, let me ask you this, has there ever been a time or season you can look back in your life when something that the enemy used maybe to bring in your life knocked you off your feet and you were knocked down spiritually for a while? 
maybe a week or a month or two or years you were away from the Lord and, and the devil's just, just stopping on you and you can't get back on your feet. That's why Paul tells us throughout this whole passage, he says it's four times he uses the word stand. He says stand firm, stand, stand, stand because I can't fight if I can't stand, amen? I gotta be standing to be able to fight. Now, I wish I could tell you today that when you make a decision to serve the Lord, you make a decision to, to follow Christ and come to church, that it's just kind of like you just stamp your card and the problems are gone. Everything's smooth and you're just waiting to be beamed up to heaven. I wish it was that way, but it's not that way, is it? Often, when we make a decision or even firm up our decision to say, I'm going to make some changes and I'm going to make Christ uh, the head of my life and my life is going to circulate and, and surround, be surrounded by him, often that's when the enemy will come at us even stronger. And we've learned that in this series because we've learned that we're in a fight. We're in a spiritual battle. We've called it spiritual warfare. We've defined spiritual warfare as this, conflict in the invisible realm that affects what you're doing in the visible realm. I think I've said it every week that it is when you feel like there's something fighting against me. Everybody nod your head if you've ever felt that way before. Some of you maybe have already felt it this morning trying to, get, trying to get here to church. I feel like there's something fighting against me. That's not just life. That's an enemy. There's a real enemy out there. And Paul tells us who he is. He says he is Satan. He's the devil. And he's not by himself. He describes that he's got forces of darkness and spiritual wickedness that are with him. We have a real sinister enemy who is invisible, but he's not fictional. Don't allow the fact that you can't see him to help you and make you think that he's not real. And we've learned that he uses deceptive strategies. He can't overpower you because of what Jesus did on the cross, but he will get between your ears and work in your mind. He does it to all of us. And Paul tells us that this fight we're in, it's not with each other. Your problem's not people. He says it's with flesh and blood is not the fight. It is outside of you. People are not the problem. They are the fruit, not the root. And here we go again. We've had another week of watching the news and watching our country try to handle sinful problems in our nation and in our world by taking care of fruit and not the root. You can tear down every statue you want to in this nation. It doesn't matter what the issue is. Until we fix the root of sin in the lives of men and women, it doesn't matter. And the thing I fear is that we're going to get down the road and we're going, to, we're going to make all these, we're going to change names and statues and all this stuff. And then somebody's going to be like, but people are still mean. People are still racist. People are still prejudiced. People are still hurtful. You know why? Because there's still an enemy. There's still a devil. And until we address the root and stop fooling with the fruit, we're not going to see a change in our nation. And we need change in our nation. Amen? In all of these issues, but it's got to happen in the individual hearts of a man and a woman. A man and a woman is not changed from their perspective on racism or prejudice because all of a sudden I'm not prejudiced anymore because you tore down a statue. It must happen in the altars and in the presence of God. God is the only one who can change that heart, that sinful, hateful heart to love somebody else. Man, that was a... That was not in the notes, and that was a little rabbit trail there. I won't charge you for that one. So he says we're in this battle. It shows up in a lot of ways. He says that there's pieces of armor we can put on, a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, a uh, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit. And he tells us that when we go out on the battlefield, we're to stand firm. We're to stand in the victory that he's already won. Standing firm means I stay in the place of victory. Who's already brought victory, somebody? Jesus. And I can't be like the child who goes with his mom to the park and wanders off. I must stay near Jesus where the victory is. Now, now the second week we talked about the belt of truth. And we said that truth is what? The word of God. When we say truth, we're talking about the word of God. And just like that belt holds the entire piece of the, all the armor together, that's what the word of God does. The word of God, truth, holds everything together. 
We learned that truth is also unchangeable. That truth brings clarity. If you're not sure what's going on in your life, get in the Word of God. It'll bring clarity. And we declared what Jesus said, that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Good job, 9 o'clock. So, belt of truth. And last week we put on a what? A breastplate of righteousness. And we learned last week that that breastplate literally connects to the belt. And that when those two things are connected, then I am protected. That it's not just that I understand the truth, but when I know the truth and I live the truth, then I am protected by the truth. We said it like this last week. We should affirm God's standard truth and then align our behavior by his standard. I see this is the truth. I confirm, I say, this is God's word and this is the truth. But it's not truth alive until I live it out. When I live it out, then it connects and protects so he says, stand firm with a belt, with a breastplate, and with shoes on. But can I tell you this this morning? It is impossible to stand firm without good shoes on. You've got to have the right shoes for the right moment. How many of you have been in a situation where you've been hunting or fishing or working or hiking or whatever, and you realize you didn't have on the right shoes for that situation? And the shoes could have made all the difference in the world. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? And you know in your mind, I got a pair of shoes in the closet that if I had put them on this morning, this situation would have worked out even better. I had a situation like this about six weeks ago. And my children, my oldest son, put me in the situation. I mean, almost a college graduate put me in the situation. So we were in Tennessee about six weeks ago. We had driven up to move our, our son and daughter out of the dorms from Lee. And Trent's a big hiker. He, there's all types of trails up there to go hiking. And he told us, he said, hey, before we go out of town, we want to go hiking. Let's go hiking. We want to take you on this trail. So, you know, we're in shorts and T-shirts and tennis shoes. That's what I usually hike in, tennis shoes. You know, I'm thinking, okay, tennis shoes are, are going to work today. That's, that's really all I need. So we're hiking for a while. And we come to this creek. And it's a pretty wide creek. I mean, it, it's, as, it's as wide as, as this room, I would say, across. And uh, it's flowing pretty, pretty strong. And I'm looking as we're getting there, and I'm like, this is where the trail stops. Is this the end? And the idea was we were supposed to walk to a waterfall. And I'm thinking, this ain't the waterfall. And I'm looking, and I'm seeing, okay, there's the trail across the creek. So Trent, he gets, now he's got these shoes on, and I've learned now these are the shoes you got to have. And as a matter of fact, as a result of the story, I got some for Father's Day. Anybody own any Tevas? I didn't know about Tevas. Tevas are these they are, they are sandals that are thick on the bottom. They got these straps on them. They're waterproof, and they're great for outdoor hiking. They're a lot like those shoes we had on the screen a minute ago, except that they don't strap up around your ankle, and they don't have spikes on them. But they're made for the outdoors. So Trent, Jane, and Brock all have Tevas on, and Trent's girlfriend who's with them, and they just, you're just prancing across the water. And Trust and I are standing there with tennis shoes on. I'm like, hey. You know, what about the old folks? You know, what are we going to do? You know, what are you going to do with us? I got my phone in my pocket. I got my keys in my pocket. I'll also tell you I was packing that day in my pocket. So I was not wanting to walk into the, across the water with all that stuff on me to get wet. So like, well, mom, dad, just take your shoes off. I'm like, Ali, you guys don't understand. And he's like, I'm sorry, Dad. I, I've never been here in the water with this high before. I've never seen it this high. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Usually all the rocks are sticking out and you just walk across the rock. So here go Tressa and I in our 40-year-old bodies, not like they used to be, taking our shoes and socks off. And we're trying to walk across these slippery rocks with this water that's flowing through. And we made it across. And I'm like, okay, great. Now we get, you know, get your wet socks and shoes. You know, the whole deal. Just a pain, you know. And then, okay, this better be the greatest waterfall I've ever seen in my life, son. He said, Dad, you got to see the waterfall. So we keep walking. Well, guess what? We get to another creek, another place where we got to walk across. By this point, y'all, sanctification for me was gone. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I, was, I had decided at that point, I was like, I have two decisions. I'm either going to walk across in my shoes which I almost did and say, they're just ruined or whatever, or I am just going to sit right here. And, and I had basically decided I'm done. I'm going to be the old man. I'm going to sit here, and I'm not going any farther. Dad, it's right here. The, the waterfall's right here. You, you got it. It's the greatest waterfall. You got to see it. He said, here's what I do. And, and so Trent has a, okay, thank you, college education finally clicked. He says, use my shoes. 
perfect. So he walks across. He throws me his shoes. I put on these Tevas, y'all. And I'm telling you, they're incredible. I walked across those rocks and that flowing water like I was 14 with a swag going on. I mean, I'm telling you, no problem. And as I got across, I'm like, now that makes sense. I will buy a shoe like that. And I got a shoe like that for Father's Day. We're going hiking in a few weeks on vacation. And I'm going to wear my Tevas and I'm going to be ready. The whole point of that story is shoes make a huge difference in the terrain that you are going to go in. Now, it might seem when we come to this armor that shoes are kind of boring. I mean, because I think about a shield and shoes certainly don't have the appeal of a shield. Shoes can't compete with the visual intimidation of a sword, right? I mean, they're shoes. How important can shoes be? But shoes are incredibly important to the armor. And we've said over the last few weeks that when Paul talks about these six pieces of armor, that he breaks them up in two sets of three. Remember this, those of you who have been with us, that the first set of three, he uses the verb with or having to lead in, meaning that when I put on this armor at all times, everybody say all times, I should always have on my belt, my breastplate, and my shoes. American Express, never leave home without the belt, the breastplate, or the shoes. But the other pieces, he uses the verb take or take up, meaning I take up the shield when I need it. I take up the helmet when I need it. I take up the sword when needed. But I always need to have my shoes on. Now notice, with every piece of armor, there is a biblical foundational component that he adds with them. This is an easy question. It's so easy you think... I, it's a trick question. It's the belt of what? Belt of truth. It's the breastplate of what? Okay, biblical component. And the last one, the one we're talking about today, not the last one, but the third one, is the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, in the New Living Translation, Paul communicates this instructions on shoes just a little clearer, I think, than the NIV. He says, for shoes... Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. He's saying you're ready to fight the devil when you got your shoes on. Okay? Turn to the person beside you and say, put your shoes on. If I'm going to finish this battle, if I'm going to run this race, if I'm not going to slip, I've got to have the right kind of shoes on. So what kind of shoes am I supposed to wear? He says I'm supposed to wear the gospel of peace. What does that mean, okay? So let's break that down. The gospel, the Greek word gospel means good news. What's the good news? Well, let's flip back to the word gospel. The first four books in the New Testament are called the what, somebody? The gospels. They're the good news because they are the biographies of who? Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John write the stories of the life of of Jesus and those are called the gospels because they came they contain the good news what's the good news y'all Jesus came from heaven he came down to earth he lived a sinless life he gave his life he died he was buried he was resurrected he went back to heaven to prepare a place for you and me and the good news is that we can be saved justified sanctified set free and on our way to heaven amen that is the good news that's the gospel so he says we're supposed to put on the gospel on our feet. But it's not just the gospel, it's the gospel of peace. Now when we get to December this year, and they do those documentaries about the year 2020, this, I don't know what they're going to call this year, but it will, who knows, the, the year of insanity, the year like we've never seen before. It will not be called the year of peace. It could be very well called the year of anxiety. The year of worry, the year of problems, the year of trials. We know what the opposite of peace is, right? Because we've lived it for almost six months now. But look what the Bible says. This is the biblical definition of peace. It is calm and tranquility of the soul in the midst of difficult circumstances. You and I can have calm and tranquility of the soul. The inner part of me in the midst of difficult circumstances so let me break this gospel of peace down to you in a way that that I can understand it 
And maybe this will fit with you. So since we're talking about shoes today, let's pretend today, stick with me now. I'm going to try to explain this the way it's in my head so that you can get it. Let's pretend today that the gospel is the brand of shoe and peace is the style of shoe. Okay, put that up, Jack. You see that? Are you with me so far? With shoes, you've got a brand and then you've got a style. So we're going to say the gospel is the brand and peace is the style. Okay, you with me? Say I'm with you. If you're not, say I'm lost. Okay, maybe we're together. Okay, now, so just to kind of flesh this out a little bit more, here's some examples. All right? Converse Chuck Taylors are a brand. Converse is a brand. Chuck Taylors is a style. Clark is a brand. Chuckaboots are a style. Ladies, this one's for you. Sam and Libby, never heard of them. Sam and Libby is a brand. The style is flats. Okay? A brand of ladies' shoes are called grasshoppers, and a style are wedges. Okay, you with me so far? Now, back in the 80s, there was the ultimate shoe that was released. The best-selling shoe, I would say, of all time, with, I think, the greatest marketing campaign that there ever was for a shoe. And as soon as you see this commercial, you'll recognize it. Watch this. How many of you remember that campaign from the 80s called, It's Gotta Be the What? It's Gotta Be the Shoes. I mean, Michael Jordan comes along in the mid-80s. He's doing things we've never seen on a basketball court. Nike gives him this incredible deal for these unbelievable shoes called Nike Air Jordans. Beautiful shoe. And man, we, it's, it's kind of amazing when you look back, the Nike Air Jordans, not a, today they don't seem that expensive. They were $65 back in 1984. But in 1984, $65 for a pair of shoes was a lot. And I remember I was smart enough not even to ask at 13 years old in 1984 for a pair of Nike Air Jordans. Now, now David Long, he probably had some. He was cooler than me. He was down in Savannah. He probably, had, he probably had them Air Jordans going on. But the brand was Nike. The style was Air Jordan. And the whole thing with the campaign was, man, Michael Jordan can fly. He's an amazing athlete. And it's got to be the what? Shoes. That's got to be. And so kids by the droves were, were buying Nike Air Jordans. And today, there have been dozens and dozens and dozens of more Nike Air Jordans made. Now Jordan is its own brand, separate than Nike. And we know Michael Jordan is, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player who ever lived. Unbelievable athlete. But let's bring it back to what we're talking about today. So if we're staying with our analogy, the gospel is a brand. And we're going to use that as a brand. Nike was the brand. The style was the Air Jordans. It's got to be the shoes. Now here's the great thing about the gospel. Now stay with me. The gospel we said is the what? Two words. It's the good news. Now is the gospel, is it, does the gospel, is the only style of the gospel peace? Is that the only thing the gospel delivers? No. The gospel has all kinds of shoes. The gospel doesn't just have peace shoes. It has forgiveness shoes, restoration shoes, deliverance shoes, healing shoes. Oh, come on, somebody. Salvation shoes, victory shoes, eternal life shoes, peace shoes. One brand, the what? The gospel, but a lot of different styles. There are many things that come out of the gospel. But Paul says the style that you need to put on, you're not going to wear healing and salvation and deliverance or restoration. You're going to wear what? Peace. See, another way to say the gospel of peace would be this, to say 
peace fueled by the gospel. Now, if you've got any anxiety or worry in your life right now about anything, this is so good and this is for you. What this says is that the peace that I'm supposed to have in my life, it is fueled by the gospel. My peace is fueled by the good news about what Jesus did in my life. But unfortunately, a lot of Christians, not just unbelievers, but a lot of Christians, instead of experiencing peace fueled by the gospel, they experience worry fueled by the word, the world. They experience frustration fueled by fear. They experience anxiety fueled by anger. They experience disappointments fueled by despair. So instead of their peace being fueled by the gospel, that the peace they have in their lives is fueled by the word of God. Are you with me? Instead of that happening, their peace is fueled by their job. By their finances. By everything going on well with their kids or their marriage. If politics are leaning in the right way, then their peace is fueled in the right place. If there's problem-free living, then they're at peace. If they can pop a pill or drink from a bottle or inject something or look at something or maybe it's a sexual high, those things will bring them peace. Maybe they just want to see global peace will bring them inner peace. And instead of their peace being fueled by the gospel... The top brand, the Air Jordans, by the gospel, they settle for a knockoff that claims to bring peace but fails to deliver. See, all those things I just told you, they, the world tells you you can have peace if you pop a pill, if you take a Prozac, if you drink some alcohol, take the edge off. That'll give you some peace. All right, 9 o'clock, y'all getting quiet. Man, if everything's going good in my job, then I got peace. If everything's good at home, I got peace. Do you know? You do know because you've all here lived long enough to know that the world does this. And peace cannot be dictated by my health or my job or my family or by politics or by the world around me. Those things can't fuel my peace because those are cheap knockoffs. They are pony city wings. How many people have heard of Nike Air Jordans? Nod or raise your hand, everybody. How many of y'all have heard of Pony City Wings? Just probably a few people. Guess who used to own some Pony City Wings? <laughs> that 14-year-old who was gliding across the lake a while ago, the, the, the creek? That 14-year-old, those were my Air Jordans. See, David Long, he's, he's styling and profiling down at Savannah in the Nike Air Jordan. Look at the difference in those things, y'all. I mean, you can tell what the knockoff is. On the right, the Air Jordan, look at it. It's crisp, it's clean. The white, the black is perfect. The black shoestrings, good night. I got to go buy some of those shoes. I've never had them. I'm old enough now. I think I got the money. I I'm going to get some. Might get some before the day's over. Because I used to wear those old, stinking Pony City Wings. Y'all know, does Pony still make tennis shoes? They don't. I looked on their website this morning. Their website is a museum. It literally is a, mu I'm not joking, y'all. It is a museum for their old shoes. Now, I wore Pony City Wings. I have an excuse because does anybody here remember? Y'all are Georgia folks. A lot of you are. Does anybody remember who was the, now we know Mike was the spokesperson for Air what? Jordans. Does anybody know the spokesperson was who they made Pony City Wings for? He played for the Atlanta Hawks in the 80s. He was 5'7", and he won the dunk contest. 5'7", my height, shorter than me, I'm 5'9". Five, 5'7", five, and won the NBA dunk contest in 1986. His name was Spud Webb. Anybody remember little Spud Webb? 5'7", won the dunk contest in 1986. Two years after Jordan's shoes come out. Now, I had those shoes because guess where Spud Webb played college basketball? North Carolina State University, my team growing up. I was a Wolfpack fan. I can remember as a kid going to see Spud Webb play. So when Spud Webb, now I didn't pull for Jordan because Jordan played for the Tar Heels. And this, the Wolfpack hate the Tar Heels. Just like the Bulldogs hate uh, Bama and the Bulldogs hate Florida and Florida hates all that stuff, you know. But so I remember going down to the local store 
And mom bought me some Pony City Wings. Do you think those Pony City Wings, well, you know they don't. They didn't look as good as Air Jordan, did they? They weren't as comfortable as Air Jordan. They didn't hold up as good as Air Jordan. And today, instead, I, I could, be, I could be an NBA, have been an NBA superstar, John, if my parents would have just bought me those Nike Air Jordans. But instead, I'm a short, white, fat preacher because I had uh, somebody bought me those. I'm just kidding. I got to clean that up for the second service. My parents will be watching and they'll, they'll be sad that they never bought me any of those shoes. A cheap knockoff. But here's what happens, y'all. Look at it. Brand. Our brand is the gospel. Our style is peace. And this is what we're saying. If we're not careful, we will settle for Pony City Wings peace when the Lord has for us Nike Air Jordans peace. Peace fueled by the gospel. The bottom line is brand matters. The brand you wear when it comes to spirituality, when the, the brand that you wear when it comes to the armor of God, it matters. Sometimes it pays to spend a little more to get something that will last and do the job. Because we all know this. You get what you what? You get what you pay for. Doran Saplu who helps run our sound and media. He has a saying, he always kicks back at me when he says, Pastor Liss, we need to buy. We need to, we need to spend this money on a camera. We need to spend this money. He'll be here in the second service. I'll, I'll have fun with him. We need to buy money for the sound system. And he has a saying that he's been telling me for several months now. He says, buy once, cry once. That's pretty good. You get it, right? You buy once, you're going to pay a little bit more. It's going to hurt. You're going to cry but you won't have to buy again because you bought premium. You bought Air Jordans instead of Pony City Wings. What's the difference? It's got to be the shoes. Somebody say it's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. The shoes make the difference. I've got to be wearing the gospel of peace and not some cheap rip off. Think about what Jesus paid, the price he paid so that you could wear those shoes of the gospel of peace. He prayed, he paid the ultimate price for us to be able to do that. So to finish up today, I want to I share with you, there's, there's three things that this, this shoe does, okay? When I wear the gospel of peace, the Bible has three promises that I can look at. The first promise is that that shoe will guard. Good news shoes, that's what we're going to call them. Good news shoes of peace will guard. Everybody say guard. There was a, a contest between two painters to see who could paint a portrait of peace. The prize was $1,000. The first painter painted a serene portrait, a lake, sun glistening on the lake. The water was still, a shepherd with sheep on the side, beautiful trees full of birds. You get the picture. Beautiful, serene picture. The second painter painted the exact opposite. He painted the sky pitch black, lightning shooting through the clouds, thunder roaring, waves billowing, boats tossed on the lake, the trees blowing. It was the portrait of disaster. But in the bottom left-hand corner of that picture, on a rock with a beam of light coming, bursting through the black clouds was a little bird. And that bird had its head up, its mouth open, and the bird was singing in the midst of the darkness. The second man won the contest because that's the definition of biblical peace. Biblical peace isn't when nothing's going wrong. I'm calm. You're supposed to be calm when nothing's going wrong. If you're not calm when things are not going wrong, then you got some problems. You may need to go lay on a couch somewhere. Biblical peace, good news peace, is when everything is wrong, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's circumstances against, and everything's against you, and you're still singing. Everything's rocking your world, but on the way to work or school, you're, you're cranking up some worship music, and you're still singing. You're still calling out and crying out to God. It's tranquility on the inside despite chaos on the outside. You don't know if you have biblical peace truly until things are not peaceful. Paul says this is a peace that transcends all 
understanding. Philippians 4, 7. He says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will what, somebody? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Based on your situation, you shouldn't be peaceful. There's nothing really to be peaceful about. But you are peaceful. Because the peace of God does what? It guards your situation. It guards your heart. It guards your mind. People around you are losing. Anybody see anybody around them losing their mind over 2020? But here's the church. We're still here. We're not going to be stressed out and blown away and worried. And you know, it's, where's God at in 2020? We've got COVID and we've got all this crazy stuff going in our country. No. Peace, despite. Concern, yes. Pray, yes. Have our eyes open, yes. But our peace doesn't lie here. We're wearing Air Jordans, right? Not city wings. Peace that guards our heart. It's because I got my shoes on. And these good news shoes guard not just my feet. But Paul says they guard my heart and mind as well. Isaiah said it like this. You will keep in perfect peace. Somebody say perfect peace. Anybody want some perfect peace? If I could bring a wheelbarrow in here of perfect peace, would you take a scoop home with you? Absolutely. Isaiah says, you, God, will keep in perfect peace those minds, those whose minds are steadfast because what? Because they trust in you. What's the difference between you and the world? You know the answer, right? It's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. It's because you've got your peace shoes on. So the good news, good news peace shoes, first of all, guard. Good news peace and shoes, secondly, rule. Colossians 3.15, Paul says, Let the peace of God, what? Rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. That word rule, the Greek of it means umpire. What does an umpire do in a ball game? He calls strikes, balls, fair, foul, out. And when an umpire calls it, it's what he calls it, and that's it. There's no changing. He's made the call. Paul is saying, let the peace of Christ umpire your hearts. Let the peace of God rule your heart. Let the peace of God, let the peace, the gospel of peace rule your heart. Let it make the decisions. Because life is full of decisions, right? You've got choices to make about your future, your direction. What are you going to do in this? What are you going to do with that? Paul says to let the peace of God umpire. Let the peace of God rule in your decision. And here's what happens. This is how this all works together. Once you affirm the word of God by putting on the belt of truth, and you align your behavior by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, and you have that standard in place, then you let the peace of God make the call. We could say it like this. I put on shoes because I'm going to do what? Duh, walk. That's an easy one, right? So I put on my belt. I put on my, I got the truth. I put on my breastplate. I've got righteousness. It's truth lived out. And I live it out because I put on my peace and I, I put on my peace. I put, I do put on my peace. I put on my shoes of peace and I walk it out. There it goes. See, see the connection? I told you. And you got to always have these on. I put them on and I walk it out. And as I walk out peace, then not only will that peace guard me, it'll rule me. It umpires. God's in my life. And when I walk with him, he says, out, safe, foul, ball, strike, go, stop, give, pray, love, share. He will umpire my life. He will show you and tell you what to do. Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Guess when Jesus said that? I think I heard somebody say it out loud. On his way to the cross. The night before he went to the cross. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace. What's his peace? My peace is I'm going on. I know what tomorrow holds. And I got peace about it. That's good. I know what's coming, Jesus said. And I'm not going to give you peace like the world gives. Because the world's peace is Pony City Wings peace. But my peace is Nike Air Jordan peace. My peace is come fly with me peace. Boy, that was good. Come fly with me 
Jesus said. See, the difference is the peace that the world gives is inside peace. That's really what we're saying. It's temporary peace. But the peace that Jesus says is this kind of peace rules over your life. It's peace that can handle a cross. It's peace that gives us a firm grip in a world that's not firm. It's peace that provides stability when everything out around us is wavering. It's peace that will keep you sane when everybody else around you is going what? Crazy. Insane. Nuts. What's the difference between you and the world? You're going to get it by the third point. It's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. These good news shoes of peace, they guard my heart and mind. They rule. They make the call. And here's the last one. Good news shoes of peace overcome. How about saving the best to last, y'all? Jesus, after in chapter 14, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Two chapters later, in chapter 16, same night, same conversation, right before they walk out the door, he goes to the Mount of Olives, and in a few hours he'll be arrested, tried, and crucified. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? In this world you will have what? In this world you will have what? And somebody give me a big what? Amen. This world you're going to have trouble. Jesus said it. Your trouble's coming. But... Take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. So because he is overcome, you can overcome. When you put on those shoes of peace, you are able to overcome because it is the good news, it is the gospel in action. Who has overcome? And if, and if anybody can hear me out there, bring me a keyboard player. Who has overcome? Jesus has overcome. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, about the birth of Jesus. Anybody need a Christmas scripture this morning? It'd be good to feel a little Christmas, wouldn't it? Here we go, Christmas in June. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Everybody read it with me. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's his name. That's who he's going to be for you and I. He comes to be the Prince of Peace. Now where does a prince get his authority to rule? A prince has no authority. Unless he gets it from his father, who's the what? The king. Mm. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Paul tells us, May God himself, the what? The G-O-P, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, every part of you, you are you, you just look like you today, a body. But you are not just a body. You are spirit, soul, and body, the scripture says. And Paul says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body, all of you be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God who? God himself. How, how, how God himself, Less. God himself in the form of Jesus Christ stepped onto this earth out of the throne room of heaven, the God of all peace becomes the Prince of Peace so that He can give you and I peace. Maybe one of the greatest stories ever about peace in the Bible is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three young men who in Daniel chapter 3 it tells us that they were thrown into a fiery pit because they refused to bow to idols. They, they, they said, we're not going to bow. And in the scripture, it says, we are not going to bow. They, they told Nebuchadnezzar that. And Nebuchadnezzar's response says, he says, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? What a cocky cuss to sit up there on that throne and say, I'm God. 
I am the God of this world. I am, I am the king of the greatest empire on the planet, Babylon. I am the man. What God is going to rescue you? And in those three Hebrew teenage boys who were living in a different place, they were, they were outside of where they knew normalcy. They stepped up and they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend yourself in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us from you. But if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, they were still respectful, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And that made old Nebuchadnezzar so mad, the Bible says he fired up that fiery pit seven times hotter than it was. He threw all of them in there, all three of them. He said, all right, now let's see what's going to happen. And in a few minutes, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looked through the glass and he, he, he's like, he can't believe his eyes. He, he looks, he says, didn't we throw three in? Yeah, yeah, man, king, we only threw three in. Well, I see four in there. And the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. And you know what they were doing as they walked around in there? I just told you. They were just walking. Walking in what? Peace. And the shoes of peace hadn't even come through the gospel. Oh my goodness. But guess who was with them in the fire? The gospel. That just hit me. Who is yet to come to the planet is now in the planet, on the planet, in the fire, walking with them in the fire, walking in what peace? They're not wringing their hands. They're not stressed out. They're not worried. They're not posting. They're not screaming. They're not pulling their hair out. They're just walking around like no big deal. Hey, write that on the list of things you're going to ask in heaven. Pull aside Jesus and the three Hebrew boys and say, hey, what were y'all talking about when y'all walking around in, in that circle? Y'all just walk around in there. That's peace. Being in the fire, when somebody threw you in your fire and you didn't deserve to be in the fire, but you're still in the fire walking with Jesus. That's peace. That's overcoming peace. That's guarding peace. That's peace that guides. That peace, that is peace that the world doesn't know anything about so for the last time this morning how were those three men able to walk in that fire without fear or worry or dread there's only one answer it's got to be the what it's got to be the shoes they seem insignificant they don't have the the intimidation of a sword or the shininess of a shield but shoes of peace you and I are called to put them on and when we wear those shoes of the gospel of peace, they will distinguish us from other people around us who are losing their mind in this season and in the next season. And people will look at us and say, something's different about her, something's different about him, because he's walking in peace. As the worship team joins us today, I want you to stand today, and we're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody this morning just to bow your heads and we're going we're gonna to close with a couple of prayers here this morning and just seal what the Lord is saying to us today. This team's going to come up and we're going we're gonna to confirm God's word here with a worship song as we close out today. But I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who's, who's with us today and you would say, Pastor, I... I'm hearing what you're having to say. And the thing for me today is that I don't have that peace because I am not in a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't, I don't know the Lord. I'm, I, I need to make a choice today, a decision today to accept Jesus. I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. And you don't have to. There's nobody in this room who understands it all and gets it all and understands all, all the book. But it means I'm going to trust. I want to trust today. And I'm going to take that first step to put on those shoes of peace and ask Christ to come in my life and be the Lord of my life. Is there anybody here who would say that? I want to pray with you today. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. I'm just going to pray with you right there where you're at. If that's you, would you put your hand and up and put it right back down? 
And I want to pray with you today. Anybody like that here today who would, who would say, I, I want to make that decision. I need, an, I need Jesus in my life. No hands are up today. So we're going to ask the second question still with nobody looking around. You say, Pastor, you're talking to me today. I'm living with more anxiety and worry than I need to be. I'm not, I've taken my shoes off. I'm not walking in peace. I came in here spiritually shoeless. And this morning, the Word of God is speaking to me, and I want to make a decision to put my shoes back on. Anybody here today like that? Raise your hand and say, hey, I'm walking without peace today. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. Anybody else today? Several hands going up. Thank you. Yes, yes. Many people today raising their hands saying, I am walking without peace. I need to put my shoes back on. We're going we're gonna to pray with you today. We're going to pray in this room, and we're going we're gonna to say together, Lord, we're making this decision. It's got to be the shoes. We're going to make this decision to put these shoes of peace on. God, I thank you this morning for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, today that you have spoken to us so clearly. And God, you have just, you just filled us today with this, with this idea, God, and this, this principle of your word. So, Lord, right now, I pray over your people today, those who are here right now who, who say, I, I, I've come in here today shoeless. I don't have my shoes on. I ask today, God, I pray over them what we've talked about today. I pray, Lord, first of all, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard their hearts and minds in Jesus. I pray, Lord, right now, secondly, Lord, that, that the peace of Christ will rule over their hearts today. Lord, I pray today that the peace, Jesus, that you talked about in John 14 and 16, the peace that you give, Lord, you would give it in their lives today. Lord, if there's people in this room today who have been pulling peace from other situations other than you, God, may you redirect their eyes. May it not end when they walk out these doors in a few minutes. But Lord, may you redirect their hearts to you. And God, may you let them know today that whatever it is that they're facing, that your word says they are overcomers. They have overcome today because of the peace, because of the Prince of Peace, because of the God Himself of peace. And I just pray, Lord, right now that, Lord, this, this concept of what we've talked about this morning, we would all put our shoes on. We would all walk out of this place with the shoes of peace around our feet, walking knowing that our steps are guided, that our steps are guarded. Lord, that you rule over our lives, Lord, and that we overcome because of everything that you've done in and through us today. May you encourage and strengthen your people today. And we pray these things today in Jesus' name. Let's just sing a little bit of this chorus again as we get ready to go today. And uh, just as we sing this, we already sang this this morning, but as we sing this this morning, will you just declare this over your life today? Let's begin right there at that first verse. We need no other hiding place. We're safe today in Him. Our hope is safe within your name. This we know. This we know. You promise never to forsake. What you began, you will sustain. This we know. Lord, we call this upon we you today. For that peace. Come on, let's say it out. I will call upon the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all week long, may you walk in your peace shoes. Everybody got your shoes on? Say it with me one more time. It's got to be the what? It's got to be the shoes. 
Everybody take those shoes and get out of here. All right, we got to get the next church. We got the next group here. Let's let our seniors go first. All right, and then we're going to get things cleaned up and ready to go for our next service. It's so great to see you here this morning. As you're leaving, I'll remind you that uh, Wednesday night, we're starting back kids ministry on Wednesday night. Uh, so we'll have that for nursery and children. We will also have a be continuing an adult Bible study in here, still social distancing in here called Why Jesus. We started it last week, a great study. We hope to see you next Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a great week.